Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Don Landry about three lessons for care coaches. If you're enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out my Patreon page to help support my advocacy work and receive exclusive content from me. Find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Amy Zellmer. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers, located in Denver, Colorado. Shane's, Dr. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years of combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zalmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I'm editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. Save the date for March 16th. I will be hosting a virtual Brain Injury Awareness Day event. You can register for free at facesoftbi.com slash event. And you can learn more about me and the podcast series at facesoftbi.com. And be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dawn Landry, and she is an award-winning and respected business professional. She has spent over half of her 27-year career in Houston's corporate real estate industry, excelling in business development and marketing leadership positions within the region's largest economic development organization, as well as international commercial construction companies. In February of 2017, Don founded Authenticity LLC as an independent business-to-business growth strategist and a Gallup-certified Clifton Strengths coach to provide consulting, training, and coaching services that optimize technical teams' engagement and productivity. So welcome to the podcast, Don. Happy to have you here today. Thank you, Amy. I really appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. And I want to congratulate you for just using your pain and turning it into purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. Great story. So, Dawn, I would love to just begin by asking you, you know, how have you come to working with the TBI community? What has led you on this path? So um, I came about it not through a straight path and completely unintentionally. Actually, my husband is a stroke survivor. He was the 
He was an 11-year cancer survivor who ultimately had a stroke at 48 years old in November of 2019. And so um, I am, like I said, the most unintentional caregiver that you could ever want, but I used the professional crisis management skills that I had to apply to us personally to really get to us to the other side. And then I have figured out both from both of those battles how to, I've, I've kind of found the common denominators and the things that really have worked for us, and I've wanted to share them with other caregivers that are out there. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I think, you know, it wasn't a straight line that brought you here, and I think that is often the case, um, <laughs> both for providers as well as, obviously, survivors. Um so, yeah, you know, great, great analogy. <laughs> um, you know, there's a meme on Facebook. It's like, you know, where I thought I was going and it's sort of a straight line going upwards and then my actual path. And it's like this giant scribble, <laughs> you know, you went up, <laughs> down, back, forward, around, made a few circles. Um, and yeah. I'm like, it's so, it's so accurate. It's so true, though. You know, but here's the thing. I kept saying that my the professional experiences that I had helped us with logic, with organizational skills, with like being cool under pressure to be able to make some of those life or death decisions, especially right after his stroke. Um, just having that advanced preparation and being of the, the mental capacity to be able to do it. But as I got quieter in this, this past year, you know, that's the advantage of COVID. We had nothing but space and time, right? Um, and it actually occurred to me that having gone through these personal challenges, walking side by side with my husband, oftentimes he was 100% paralyzed on his right side. He couldn't speak for many, many months, so having to speak for him also. Um, watching that and watching him start to recover from that and, you know, every day. He's a warrior. And so watching him just, he inspired me every day. But there were aspects of it that not only made me a better human being, but made me a better business professional. And so, for instance, like listening skills and communication skills and just being present in the space that we're in right now. Yeah, is, you know, um, I just had this conversation with my book club the other night about you know, it's not just the survivor that's affected, right? And often the survivor gets in this mode of, you know, they get frustrated with everyone around them that they don't understand. But they mm -hmm. they don't stop to think about everyone around them who's also affected by what happened to them, right? Like whether it's a spouse yeah. or a caregiver or a child or a parent, their life has been drastically impacted by what has happened to them as well. And so we all need to kind of slow down and have some patience and, you know, like you said, develop those listening skills and, and just stop getting so short with each other and impatient and, um, learning how to harmonize with each other again, because it, it's changed yeah. for everybody. It's just in a different mm -hmm. way for the survivor versus the family member, but it's still, it's still a big change. Oh, it, it absolutely is. But here's the thing also that I always, you know, that I always like to state as well. It's stating the obvious. If you, if it's, say it's, um, say it's your, your, no matter what, what, 
care of a long, loved one, whether it's your spouse or your parent or, you know, your child. But most of the time when it's a spouse, you know, they may have a tendency, if it's your parent or your child, you know, they, they're like, well, no, they, you know, this is my, my father, this is my mother, or this, you know, or I'm whatever it is. They, you're not going to leave them. A lot of times what I've heard is that spouses have a tendency to be worried that their other spouse is going to leave them. And that actually came about, that whole mentality hadn't even occurred to me. But when Darren was fighting stage four cancer, he had cancer of the head and neck. And um, it was a, just radical in terms of the types of treatment he had. He had surgery and then six weeks of chemo and then seven weeks of radiation where he was going five days a week. And about halfway in the radiation part of the program, I went to a doctor. You know, I was always with him at doctor's appointments, but it was a weekly doctor appointment. And I was in there waiting in the, in the waiting room with him, and his oncology nurse came in, and it's a guy. And so Gary says, oh, you're still here. And I thought he was joking, and I said, what do you mean I'm still here? Of course, where, where else would I be? And he said, oh, about this part of the program, the significant other is like, peace out. You know, I didn't sign up for this. And so really, if you don't have a rock-solid foundation of a relationship, it can shake it to its core. And mm-hmm. it even has a tendency to go one of two ways. You either, it either brings you closer or it tells, tears you apart. And in our case, it actually brought us closer. And this is not, I'm not stating this with any judgment by any means, but what I'm mainly stating is that learning that lesson in the cancer battle, when he had his stroke 11 years later, it gave me that realization. And in the early days when he was in the bed and completely paralyzed and he would just, he was just crying. He couldn't, he, all he could do was cry. He couldn't articulate how he was feeling. I literally got in the bed with him, climbed in the bed and looked him, I got really close to his face and looked him eyeball to eyeball and said, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm not going anywhere. And Mm -hmm. it's so important that we reiterate that to our loved ones to make sure that they know that we're going to be there with them forever. You know, you just brought up such a a great point. I, I am in a Facebook group that's, for spouses of survivors Mm -hmm. and it just breaks my heart how these spouses are just like, he's not who he used to be. I'm leaving. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, isn't it worth trying a little harder, you know, whether that's finding some counseling or most of these people with a brain injury haven't gotten the right help. So if they're still having anger issues or personality differences or, you know, the most common thing I hear is they don't ever remember what I asked them to do. And it's like, they have a brain injury. Their memory is impaired. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my God, this this is brain injury 101. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I'm so passionate with what I do is to try and bring awareness, hoping that, you know, maybe just one person will hear that and it'll resonate with them and they'll find them the proper help. Um, you know, because yeah. unfortunately, our healthcare system sets you up for failure and, you know, okay, you get to go home. Bye. Good luck. <laughs> and, and okay, that's well, exactly what about it. And then you're, and as the caregiver, you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm prepared for this. I don't have. Yeah. You know, I'm not that nurse. Give you, I'm a businesswoman. <laughs> they give you so no direction. And you're like, oh, 
Yes, exactly. They give you no direction <laughs> for future treatment. They don't tell you, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, you're done with treatment. And But no, they're not. They still, If they still have deficits, there's, there's still time for treatment. Um, so, yeah. you know, it is. It's, you it's, have to be their advocate. Heartbreaking you have to be their ambassador and their advocate. It's, it's really heartbreaking to hear these stories and how it rips, mm-hmm. you know, spouses apart. And... Uh, you know, I like you said, if it's a parent or a child, obviously they're they're not going anywhere. Although it happens there as well, but just not as frequently. Um, I mean, obviously, if someone has turned physically violent, um, yes, you need to get out of the house. You need to get away from that. But you know, I still feel that you should consider trying to get them further help, um, because there's just there's still something going on with them. And I mm-hmm. just having more compassion and, and getting more understanding of brain injury. And because clearly these people know their spouses have a brain injury, um, yeah. so, you know, just getting more resources and, and finding more access to help. So, you know, mm-hmm. what, what advice would you have for a spouse who is struggling with what do I do? You know, like I said, you're, you leave the hospital. Good luck. Bye. <laughs> um, what <laughs> advice do you have for finding that additional help? It's just keep asking. Honestly, when you, and, and I don't call myself a caregiver, that term just never really resonated with me. I call myself a care coach. That, that nomenclature actually just kind of, because it's being super proactive. It's not only the caregiving piece of it, which is the loving, nurturing piece of it overall, because it's the person that I love the most in the entire world that's in that bed, but it's the advocacy, it's the ambassadorship, it's the cheerleader, it's getting out your pom-poms and encouraging them, even when you know that it's challenging them, it's reminding them of who they are. And it's also kind of reminding them of, hey, you know, you did this today, but look what look how far you've come from last week. And so when it's creating some kind of program that actually works for your patient, but more than anything, it's when, when you're you know, shot out the other side of it and you're out of the hospital and you're back at home, it's continuing to ask the questions. And so it's looking for other people and other resources like your podcast, Amy, that, you know, and there are all these, you know, virtually now there are all these support groups and whatnot and learning from one another in terms, you're not in it alone, learning from one another in terms of what other, what's worked for other people. And then more than anything, the thing, even when Darren couldn't talk, he was, my husband was always in there. That's the thing that I never lost sight of, even though he couldn't articulate it. And some people, I, I kind of, I kind of lumped them into three groups, you know, the people that talked at him that were condescending that, you know, wouldn't give him the space to be able to get to his words. And then the second type of people were the people that were, um, that talked to him like he was a four-year-old child, not the grown man that he is. And then the third group of people were really relaxed and comfortable and even in the very beginning in a full conversation, if he could only get to two words, they were like, dude, I'm here you know, however long it takes. And in those particular situations, he would, he would completely relax. And then he was able to have a conversation where he could get to some of the words that he needed to get to. Because our patients feel and sense the energy that we have. Uh And so what are you as a spouse, caregiver, care coach, whatever you call yourself, 
um, how, how, what are you bring, what kind of energy are you bringing to the table that will allow them to be able to ultimately communicate the way that they need to communicate? Um, I don't know if you've read the book, My Stroke of Insight by Jill Bolt Taylor, um, but she was a neuroscientist that had a stroke at a very young age. I believe she was like in her thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, and she documented. I watched her TED whole, talk. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, yeah. She yeah, has I a her TED, TED talk. talk as well. So, you know, she talks mm-hmm. about that and how she could tell right away when a nurse walked in the room or nurse or doctor, um, she could tell right away. Um, their energy mm-hmm. was either, hi, how are you? You know, they just yell at mm-hmm. her. She's like, I'm not deaf. Mm-hmm. Or they gently come <laughs> in and touch her on the arm. And how are you today? And, and you know, some doctors would talk real slowly. And it was just, you know, she couldn't communicate, but she could hear and understand just fine. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's such a great book for anyone. I I related to it, even though I didn't have a stroke, right? Like I just relate it to mm-hmm. how people treat you. And like you said, some people talk to him like he was a four-year-old and it's like our intellect has not been impaired. Our ability mm-hmm. to communicate has been right, but not our actual intellect. And I think that yeah. that often gets very lost in tra- translation for, um, you know, people around us. I have, this new, I have this new empathy also, because here's the thing. I'm, you know, super achiever. We're both, I mean, before his stroke, super, super achiever, extremely impatient. Throttling back is not one of those easy things for <laughs> either of us to do. And so being able to just kind of take a step back and really throttle back, it, it, it reaps so much great harvest overall. But the thing that really is really interesting to me is even now, and he gets to most of the words that he wants to get to conversationally. He's a private equity banker um, by training. Um, He's on medical leave now. Can't get to the technical terms that he really needs to at at this point. But even in having like a conversation with someone back from, you know, in the business world or whatnot, he can tell if people are really uncomfortable talking to him. And um, the super intelligent man is still in there, but the words take a little bit longer. And so he's just like, yeah, we didn't stay very long on the phone because he's just not comfortable with me. And what that must have to do from a safety standpoint with the patient, I can't even, I can't even imagine, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a long, lonely him. journey. Yeah. I, I can imagine. I mean, I've walked as close as a person possibly can walk next to someone with cancer or stroke. But I can't say that I have any idea of the emotional internal, I, you know, things that you guys have gone through overall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, that's, you know, even if you have the most supportive caregiver in the world you have the most incredible spouse and family and friends um it's still lonely right because Mm -hmm. nobody can relate to you unless they've been through it like it's it's nearly impossible to explain how it feels to not be able to come up with the word even though you know the word 
or, you know, Mm -hmm. to not be able to remember something you did 10 minutes ago. Like it's just so impossible to put it into words to somebody else. And, you know, it's still, it can just still be such a lonely, dark place. And fortunately those who have it, it, well, and then you also have the people who feel that they're now a burden to their family. Um, mm-hmm. that's also very common. They, they wish that they had died in the accident or whatever, cause then their spouse or their parents wouldn't have to take care of them. And, you know, it's such an mm-hmm. unfortunate side effect, right. Of, of going through something yeah. like this. Um, and you know, what, what advice do you actually have for the survivor coming from a caregiver, or as you call yourself, a care coach, coming from that mm-hmm. to the survivor, what advice do you have for someone who does feel like a burden or who does still feel very lonely, and even though they have a great support system? Yeah, even if you have, I, I, I can understand that. I mean, no one wants to feel like a burden, but it's actually, if you can articulate that, if you can try to get to some of the honesty and the transparency. So then that way, hopefully their loved one can share with them that no, they're not a burden, that they still are loved. They're still valued overall. If you can get to an open line of communication with one another, and then you can actually get through when you are feeling vulnerable to be able to be that honest with them so then that way they can help you through it and they can give you that validation that, no, you are not a burden. You are still, the rules may have changed. The relationship may have changed, but it, it can even grow stronger and, and better and even more loving on the other side. I know speaking for us personally, um, you know, my husband has just grown even kind. He's always been a very kind man, but he's even, kinder and sweeter and more loving than he than he ever was and so it's just enhanced our relationship in a different kind of way and so you know some of the greatest advice that I had Amy was um, right after maybe a month after we got home from the inpatient rehab facility and like I said get her done kind of people we are just you know you know have a checklist have the milestones you know Check, check everything and off, and ta-da, we're here. And so um, I had the opportunity. We have a big network here in Houston, and so very, very blessed with it um, from our careers. And so a friend of mine, an architect friend of mine, volunteered his mom, who was a retired speech therapist, um, to talk to me on one rainy Saturday morning. It was a, a conference, just a call. And I just kind of, I said, okay, here's all the parameters. Here's where we are. Here's our age. Here's how healthy we are, all this other stuff. Um, what's your, what are your thoughts? When are we going to get there? And she said, what? And I said, well, knowing Darren and his history and where he is right now, how long do you think that he's going to get there? When's he going to be Darren again? And she said very directly, but very impactfully, she said, honey, you are looking at it all wrong. And it like hit me in between the eyes. And she said, he will never be who he was before the stroke, just like you're mm-hmm. not who you were before his stroke. Yeah. Can you give him, and this is me paraphrasing, this is, my, this is my term now, can you give him the freedom to be who he's going to be next? And Amy, it blew it wide open. It's like, I love that. I got off of the phone with her and I said, 
You have the freedom. You have the creativity to be whoever you're going to be next. And it took all of the weight off of it. It took off of all of the burden-feeling piece of it off of it for us. And it's been every day he wakes up. That this, is how I, this is how I think that he, um, I, knowing him as I do, this is how I think that he gets through it. Is every day he wakes up with a task to do. He always has a purpose for the day. And so it could be something as small as, you know, our house is elevated. It's, we've been in it for eight years. It's moved around. There's some cracks here and here. So he's going to walk around with a caulking gun and caulk as much as he can until he, is, you know, he needs to go sit down or he needs to go take a nap. So he always has a purpose in every single day. And, and he is slowly getting better. And, but what he's going to be next, we don't know, but he has the complete freedom to recreate himself if he wants to. Mm. Yeah, and I love that. Like, are you willing to give him the freedom to be who he is next? I that's mm-hmm. you know, and and that's also just so important because so many survivors they it takes a while to come to acceptance, right? Like you have to grieve mm-hmm. the old you. I don't care how your injury yeah. happened, you know, you're likely going to go through a grief process. But you do have to get to a point where you can accept what happened to you and that you are no longer that person and you never will be. And so now who, you know, now you can reinvent yourself, you know, spin it in the positive. Who are you going to be now? The future's wide open, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I just, I love, I love that thought of, you know, that you can be whoever you want to be now. Yeah, it's, it, it reframed everything and it Mm -hmm. really took the strings off of everything to be able to, you know, it's, it's, it's been an amazing journey. It really, really has. And so I'm interested to see what he's going to be next even, you know. I don't know. We'll see. But you're right. He doesn't even have any memories. I think his brain is still protecting him from the first couple weeks even after the stroke. He, can't, he, he will retell some of the things that either he's read in my book or he's told, you know, heard me tell other people about what happened and whatnot. But he, it's still like he says it's like a really bad dream. It's this foggy kind of space for him overall. So I don't think that he will be able to fully figure everything out until he fully gets to those memories or maybe he'll never get to those memories. I, I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a journey, and definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, I I think some people do recover memories, while others never get them back. And so it's I can see um, where that can be frustrating, you know, for both both them and you. But um, it's okay, right? Like I know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ben Utak, former NFL player, he shares, he doesn't remember being at his best friend's wedding. And he was in the wedding. He sang at the wedding. Um, he actually got wow. really upset with his friend that he hadn't been invited. And they just thought he was kidding at first. And then they were like, you don't remember? And so they got out the photo album. And, you know, he's wow. looked at the album. He's watched the video. He's like, I remember it now, but I don't know if I'm actually remembering it or if I'm just 
making new memories of it from, you know, the pictures and the videos. So mm-hmm. yeah, the memory, you know, it's so interesting how it can be so affected by an injury. Um, but Don, yeah, the brain itself about, is completely amazing. We are just about I'm, out of I'm time sorry. and, Oh, that's okay. Um, we're just about out of time. So I would love to wrap up by just asking you what your final words of advice are to any caregivers listening. What, what are your words of advice to them? So I always say extract your ego and let other people help you. I mean, mm, so if you mm-hmm. are a super high achiever, I know, and as a major lesson that I learned in his cancer battle, you know, lots of people calling us and saying, what can we do? And I'm like, it's okay. Just pray. Mm-hmm. We do prayers. And it was finally about six weeks into it when um, one of my, someone who's known me since for a very long time contacted me. She was her own breast cancer survivor. And she said, people aren't asking as much, she said, sure, they're asking to help you, but they want to be a part of your journey. So let them have a piece yeah. of it. Let them be a blessing to you. And, and that actually I took in the stroke battle and I adjusted it just slightly. It's not only about letting people help you. It's actually about customizing the ask. Because sometimes, like, if you're already, if you're still in the hospital or you're in a certain piece of the program, you might not need. You might need groceries for your house because you haven't been stuffed in a grocery store in four weeks. You might need dog food for the people that are maintaining your household. But when you come out, you might need. You know, this is of course um, at pre and post pandemic comment, but um, shuttling them to therapy or doing some of those things that other people are in their strength zone that they want to be able to help you. And an example is I had a friend of mine um, who was an interior design architect. She has since passed of her own cancer battle, but when Darren was going through a stroke, it was around the holidays, and she volunteered to come to my house and decorate my house with all of our or our house with all of our holiday decorations for Christmas because she's like, I know that you don't have the energy to do it for yourself, so let me gift this to you. And I was just amazed at how creative something like that is. So, you know, just opening yourself up and extracting your ego and letting people help you is one of the things that I always encourage. And the other thing is just to celebrate. Even when you don't think you have something to celebrate, you know, Small accomplishments amass to huge victories. And so what can you celebrate today? And remembering that it's going to be better, you know, a month, a week, a, you know, a week, a month, a year down the, ro- down the road. But giving them some sign of encouragement, something to look forward to, and something to celebrate also. For them mm-hmm. and yourself at the end of the day, right? Yeah, I love both of those. And, you know, just... Mm-hmm. I want to also add for anyone listening who's maybe just a love, loved one or a support person, um, we don't always know what we need to ask for. Like, don't don't make an open-ended, how can I help? What do you need? Because um, we might not be able to articulate it. And like your friend mm-hmm. said, like you said, your friend did, she just came over and decorated your house. Like, just do something. Go out and buy some groceries. You know, they just, just yeah. go get some groceries and bring them over or bring a meal, right? Like bring a self-bake, like you just got to throw it in the microwave. Um, you know, just, just do it. 
don't ask because especially if it's the survivor you're asking, we might not be able to tell you what we need. It might be too over an open-ended question is too overwhelming. Um, so just jump in and do something. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So Don, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and best wishes to you and your husband as he continues to recover. And just thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Amy. I really do appreciate the opportunity. And if I could just add, I discussed some of these strategies that I utilized in my book, Armored, and it's found on Amazon and on my website at DawnFLandry.com. If anybody's interested, I, Every program works differently for everyone, and every unique situation is is different, but I just really felt called to share my story, to share our story, and inspire and encourage other people in their walks. Wonderful. Well, thank you, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode, and just a reminder, you can find previous episodes on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes, or you can find them directly at facesoftbi.com. And you can help support the podcast through my Patreon at patreon.com slash Amy Zalmer. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And do join me in Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. And I will see you in the next episode.